My name is Dr. Tram Jones, and since 2019, my wife and I have been living in Haiti. This is the story of our life there and the patients we've seen. Haiti has no gas. Well, actually Haiti has some gas, but Haiti has no access to it. The streets are strangely calm, a near panic-inducing quiet that reminds one of the anxious silence that encompassed the capital after Haiti's president was assassinated. Today, we're going to talk about some of the reasons that there is no gas, and it all comes down to gangs. But our primary focus will be more on the human cost of gangs in Haiti. Every gang war, every gas shortage caused by these groups has collateral victims. I do not mean lost wages or convenience. Certainly, there is that. But I mean living, breathing children and women that would be alive that are now deceased. When we talk about gang violence, we often tally up the kidnapping victims or murders in a particular massacre. These are tragic, but their deaths are dwarfed by the mountain of casualties that have piled up as indirect deaths from the current troubles in Haiti. It feels like a pylon even to publish this podcast. Week after week, it is bad story after bad story. Normally, we try to tell uplifting stories, and there often are some. But given the current crisis, there is no other intellectually honest way to speak about Haiti. There really is no good news. So let's talk about gas and gangs. Just three weeks ago, we published a podcast detailing the long-term problem that Haiti has around gasoline and diesel. You can go back and listen to it, but the bottom line is that most fuel shortages in Haiti are because the government tries to subsidize petroleum and lacks funds to do this. I had not planned to speak about fuel again. It's kind of a boring topic, but there is no getting around it. There is a massive fuel crisis, and the cause is different this time. Let's lay the groundwork for this. Fuel arrives in Haiti primarily to the capital city, Port-au-Prince. The gas is then stored in two different facilities, one right next to a slum called Cité Soleil and another right next to the slum of Matissan. I have no expectation that you would remember these places, especially with their French names, but these are two of the three most dangerous slums in Haiti. From these storage areas, trucks go out and deliver gasoline and diesel to gas stations. You may remember the gang landscape in Haiti. Let's talk about it largely. There are two primary forces in Port-au-Prince. There's the Quadibouquet gang of Katsan Maozo. These are the ones who kidnapped the 17 missionaries. And then there's a confederation of different armed groups throughout the capital known as G9, led by a man named Barbecue. Barbecue is not a fan of the current prime minister. And so, using the confederation which controls the areas around both gas storage areas, he has stated that he will not allow fuel trucks to pass until the Prime Minister steps down and the government promises to pay him $500,000 per month. Fuel trucks are now being targeted. Dozens of drivers have been kidnapped or attacked. Bandits have shot up these fuel tankers as they are driving, with large crowds then swarming the tankers to collect the precious fuel as it pours out through the bullet holes. In response, these drivers have, understandably, refused to continue to drive and went on strike. The gas station owners no longer have petrol. They have been forced to close. Occasionally, a fuel truck can evade the blockade, but even when the fuel gets to a station, the owners are afraid to open. They know that opening will lead to riots and attract attention from gangs that will then extort them. There is no longer gas available in stations, 
and the current black market rate is north of $20 per gallon. Let me tell you what the lack of fuel has done to Haiti. There is the obvious. There are no cars on the road. Of course, this includes personal vehicles and the more common communal pickup trucks that most of the population uses, but this also includes ambulances. At last count, only 30 of the country's 90 ambulances had enough gas to operate. It also encompasses cars that bring food into the massive 2.4 million person metropolis of Port-au-Prince. It further includes those trucks that bring the only potable water throughout a massive city that has no clean water. And if this were the United States, transportation might be all we think about. But in Haiti, it is just the beginning. There's no real national electricity in the country, so nearly every hospital runs on generators. Most hospitals have reported that they only have days of electricity left. Cellular towers in Haiti are runoff generators, so cell phones are beginning to stop working. At our clinic, we had just bought a new generator to replace our old one. And yet, despite our gas storage, we now only have enough fuel for three more hours of operation. Yesterday, we disconnected the small solar system at my house and installed it at the clinic. While it is nowhere near strong enough to service the whole clinic, it can keep our lab machines and electronic medical record systems going. I wanted to explain the gas shortage. The logistics are somewhat interesting, but I think the more important aspect to talk about is the human cost. And yes, I mean the human cost of the fuel shortage, but more pressingly, the human cost of armed groups in Haiti. As I said, we often quote the number of gunshot victims or kidnap victims, but this is a tiny fraction of the actual cost of gangs in Haiti. I want to tell you two personal stories. Six weeks ago, a gang announced a war with the police in our zone. It really isn't worth getting into the details. Suffice it to say, it was serious. Hannah and I left the neighborhood of our clinic for a week, and our clinic staff stayed home as the violence roared. It was a real war, complete with armored personnel carriers, automatic weapons, and lots of burned cars. Perhaps one might be tempted to think that the only victims were the police or gang members that were killed. But that would not be true. Over the three months prior to this war, we had been caring for a 14-month-old girl. She had come in severely malnourished in the 0.3 percentile for weight for height. Over the next three months, her mother brought her weekly to our clinic. She was treated with daily plumpy nut meals. She was given antibiotics, dewormed, and tested for HIV. Slowly, she gained weight. By the week of the war, she had risen to the 16th percentile in weight for height. We would not even consider her malnourished at that point. Unfortunately, she fell ill with an infection that week. Her breathing became labored and fast. Her mother knew what to do. We preach every week that if a child becomes ill between weekly visits, they need to come in. And so, despite the battle, the mother brought the child to our clinic doors. But we were not open. The war had forced us to close for the week. Later that day, the child died, likely of bacterial pneumonia. We only know this story because her mother called us later to let our nutrition nurse know that her child would not be there that week. For the past three weeks, I've been in the United States. I've set up telemedicine so that I can continue to see my patients. Last Friday, an 11-day-old boy was brought to the clinic by his mother. The mother told us that he could not open his eyes. As my nurse on the other screen pried open his swollen eyelids, a thick pus obscured his eyeballs. His mother said that the child had started to develop pus at day three after birth. The diagnosis was clear. I had seen this once before. This was a gonorrheal infection of the eye. 
It is transmitted from the mother during childbirth. Now, this would be much more common, but in the U.S. and Haiti, we put antibiotic ointment in the eyes of every single child born in a hospital. So I asked the mother where the child was born. She told me that she had desperately wanted to go to a hospital, but there was no gas and thus no transportation to get to a center. And so, like so many Haitians, she gave birth at home, transmitting the bacteria with no eye prophylaxis. Gonorrheal eye infections often lead to blindness. Fortunately, we were able to give the child a shot of ceftriaxone, and he will hopefully do well. But this child could easily have become blind for no other reason than a gang leader blocking off gasoline. There are many other ways people die due to gang issues. The price of food is probably the biggest one. The cost for food has doubled in the capital because there's no gas to bring it in. If the impasse is not resolved soon, food prices will go through the roof. With every increase in food prices, children aged six months to two years, the most vulnerable from malnutrition, will die at measurably higher rates. So yes, there is no gas in Haiti, and this is primarily due to gang activity. But when you think of this crisis, and particularly the gang problem, I do not want you to think only of the innocent people that are gunned down in the streets. Let us think of the silence that reigns in hospitals as the generator sputters on the last few drops of gasoline. COVID patients, pediatric patients, and surgical patients who can no longer receive care. Let us think of the mother who is splitting half the meager ration of rice from the market among her children. Let us think of the little pneumonia victims unable to reach care because of warfare. This is not theoretical. This is the reality. Thank you for listening. Every Wednesday morning, we publish a new narrative from life here. We are simply telling stories as we've seen them in Haiti. But Haiti is a fascinating country with a rich history, and there are many Haitian voices that can tell the story of Haiti in all its facets, and we encourage you to seek them out. As we made this episode, some names may have been changed to protect confidentiality. If you enjoyed the show, tell your friends or give us a rating wherever you find your podcasts. To learn more about the work of Light from Light in Haiti or to get involved, visit us on the web at lightfromlight.me. Thank you and God bless.